your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Avalanche fans, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche today, part two of the conversation I had with Ryan Clark from The Athletic. This will be three parts, so I was trying to get it down into two, but like most things I do whenever I do crossover shows or the Thursday show with Adam Denker on the national show, uh, the conversation just keeps flowing, so there's enough for three three episodes worth of dialogue with Ryan, so today, part two. Two, so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, first things first, follow the show social media: LOPN underscore Avalanche on Twitter, Lockdown Avalanche on Instagram, and send any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions to Lockdown Avalanche at gmail.com. So, if you didn't go uh, listen to yesterday's episode, which obviously was part one, definitely do that. Uh, I love talking to Ryan. Like I, like I said, I've talked about him before. The way he writes articles uh, are, are just some of the best articles I've read in regards to the avalanche and really just in regards to just hockey in general. I just love the way he writes, and we kind of get into that a little bit later, really in tomorrow's episode. But if you haven't uh, gone back to listen to yesterday's, definitely do that. And then as far as today, kind of the things we dive into are the, right off the bat, like the financial aspect of the Avalanche and where they stand with the flat cap. We've seen some flat cap casualties around the league. Are the Avalanche kind of staring that down for the next couple of years when this flat cap will be in effect? So, and that's why I like talking to Ryan about it because he has a lot of insight into that. So we talk about that, and we get into Nathan McKinnon, and it kind of leads into a discussion talking about the flat cap about Nathan McKinnon's comments on he would take less money again, and is that feasible? Is is, is how serious was he about it, and what would Joe Sakic do being the GM and having one of the top three players in the league? does Joe Sackick feel obligated to pay him like that? So uh, we get into stuff like that. So lots more that we, that we cover. So let's dive into part two of the conversation I had with Ryan Clark from the athletic getting into the kind of like financials for the avalanche. And, you know, I, I think they have really worked this flat cap masterfully. Um, and, do you but that that cap is going next year, right? Is it is it going beyond that, or is it just next year that it's going? It could be the next two to three years. It all depends on what hockey related revenues are going right. forward. Um, just no one really knows at this point, like what's it going to be? Because again, it's just it's the idea of will fans be back? Will they not be back? No one knows. So let's say for the next two or three years is the general thinking. So then, is it difficult to predict where the Avalanche? stand in those seasons is it i mean have they what they've proven this off season uh you know and how they've maneuvered themselves to to maybe a viable team is that for you know next year because 
it is ne- I don't know what the logistics are for. I know they have obviously UFAs and RFAs, but are they going to be in a good of position for this flat cap era um, as they were this off season? Is it looking good for them? You know, it, it all depends on like what variable you're looking at and what are the constants. Because like if you look at let's say Nathan McKinnon, you're gonna have him what for three more years at six point three. So like that's a fixed cost. Same thing with Eric Johnson as well. Where it gets complicated is what do you do with the Kale McCarr deal? Because he's gonna be an RFA and there's so many different hypotheticals to run through. We don't have time, but the point right. is it's a cost they've got to account for. And so like what makes it easier is there are certain fixed numbers you know are going to be there. Like you know McKinnon and Rantanen are going to be there. You know that this upcoming offseason, you're going to get some money off the – oh, and Samuel Gerrard's another one, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing with JT Comfort, Nazem Kadri, Ryan Graves, Devon Tay. So you have that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you know – like you look at this offseason, this coming offseason, you know you're going to have money coming off the books, but it's just like is it one of those things where just the money that comes off, does it get reallocated elsewhere? Like what does a new Landis Scott contract look like? What does the Makar contract look like? What does the Grubauer contract look like? Especially knowing that Yusuf Sununen, if they think he's the player that he can be, like Yusuf Sununen is someone who is going to be pushing for a spot. But again, it's all based off the hypothetical of his current trajectory. But what it comes back to at the end of the day is, yes, the flag cap is going to impact them. It's going to impact everyone. Sure. It's just they appear to be in a situation where they can, they can circumvent that because they're having the buy rooms and the new hooks be on ELCs. They're having Logan O'Connor on a cheaper deal. Shane Bowers is on his ELC. Um, Martin Kout's another one. And then, of course, there is what happens with Connor Timmons because he's going in the last year of his RFA deal. And so, like, that's just it. It's like they appear like they're in position to do this, but it's just they're juggling managing those contracts with the heavier contracts. And then it's like, how do you fill these needs? Like, do you let a lot of these young guys start playing on a cup contending team right away or, hmm. or do you work them in eventually over time right that that is the question because you have a team built to win right now and then you bring in kind of unproven prospects who you expect much from but you're, you're basically saying like you know get in the car and and we're we're going for the gold right away you know there, there's no we, we can't have a step back if you know what whatever position that you're taking over now you mentioned nathan mckinnon and some point during last season he made the comment of he would kind of take a similar contract moving forward for his next deal to kind of you know not not just cash in and leave the avalanche with some money so how serious do you think he was about that and do you think joe sackick will be the one to be like no you're our superstar here's 11 12 million and just shut up and take it there's going to be probably a meeting somewhere in the middle, just because yeah. I mean, when you look at McKinnon, I mean, everybody talks so much about his relationship with Sidney Crosby, but like those conversations extend well beyond on ice con- constructs. It does go back to how do you keep a team together and how do you win? And let's face it. The three young players in this league that are often talked about are Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews is on a team where three players make North of $10 million. Connor McDavid's on a team where like, well, yes, he makes a ton of money and he also has Leandre Seidel, 
Like, and, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins in, in all respect to him, because I mean, he is a consistently productive player. Like Edmonton is a place that for one reason or another, it's hard to get guys, but like, it's even harder when you look at that 12 million figure sitting out there. And it's not to say that the avalanche possibly couldn't take on a contract like that, because I mean, let's say Eric Johnson gets off the books. You throw that 6 million towards McKinnon on top of what he's already making. Boom. You've got 12, three. But then the question is who fills that spot with Eric Johnson. And do you think that it's someone who is on an ELC that can pull that off? So in this case, like, let's say for the purposes of the discussion, it's Justin Barron. The point is this, like with McKinnon, he understands finances in the sense of, look, the cap is everything. The cap is how we win. The cap is how we continue to be a winner. And he doesn't necessarily need to have a conversation with Sidney Crosby to come to that realization. I mean, look at what Pittsburgh and Chicago did. Look at what the Kings did. Look at what those teams like the Capitals managed to do. Like they were all long-term contenders. Why? Because their stars took team friendlier deals as opposed to asking for more, which would then leverage the team's long-term future. And with a guy like McKinnon, I mean, he is hell bent on winning. And that's what needs to be done. It sounds like he's extremely serious about going through with it. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that, you know, wants to just be known as the, you know, who, who makes the most on his team. Like if, you know, uh, Rantanen's deal, what's Rantanen at? Like right at 10? 9.3. Okay. 9.3. Okay. 9.23, I believe. So if you put, you know, if Nathan McKinnon was just like, well, put me at 10. So therefore I can claim I'm, I'm, you know, I make the most, I don't think he's built that way. I think, like you said, I think he cares more about winning. And if he can, I'm sure he was, he's going to want a little bit of an increase, and I think you think you'd be happy in like the seven, eight million range. And then he get he's making a good chunk of money and that extra money that could have been an extra three, $4 million can go to a, a solid player. Here's the economics exercise we'll play that by the end of this, we'll have you going, Jesus Christ, thank God, this idiot is going to <laughs> Seattle. So you can look at this a hypothetical, a bunch of different ways. So like, let's say Nathan McKinnon decides to take less money because it means like you are able to, either go after players you couldn't once get or better yet, like you're able to, you know, give money to guys that you want to keep. The thing, if you're Nathan McKinnon, that you could possibly do is this, you could try to just bank on endorsements, yeah, um, which is something some athletes do. Now, right now, his biggest endorsements are, of course, are CCM and Tim Hortons. He continues along this current track. Who's to say like where those endorsements may lie? Because I mean, again, like, you look at it, it's only a matter of time before, presumably, he's on the NHL video game. He is someone who you start seeing on more commercials for the NHL, whether it's through NBC or elsewhere. I mean, of course, in Canada, his face is unavoidable. But, like, that's just the thing is it's all about how you look at money and how you manage money. And it's hard to say what goes on in every player's head. But when you look at where the Avalanche are now, it's a team that just – they understand from the front office to the dressing room what the cap looks like, what the cap is. And if they didn't understand it, just look at this past summer. A lot of stuff in the Mesnikov was making $4 million a year the last two years. He's now making half that going to Detroit. Right. And Detroit was a team that, compared to others, had more money to spend. But even then, they knew what was feasible and what wasn't. And so, again, these players, like, they get it. It's just – with a guy like McKinnon, the hard part is this, like if he takes less money, 
and again, it's hard to quantify what less money is in this circumstance. If he takes less money, no one is going to fault him. If he takes the money people think a guy like him should be making, it seems like no one's going to fault him there. Right. It's just, it seems like he's just in a really interesting choice. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to, can the avalanche make it work regardless of what Nathan McKinnon signs for? And I just thought of this while you were explaining endorsements and things like that. I mean, how beneficial would it be for him to win a cup before this current deal runs out? Because then that makes him more marketable. And that, that next deal, you're right. I mean, he, he can, he can get promotions having that tag of Stanley cup champion and fill in the gaps with money after a, a championship is one. Could that, could that be something? To look it, I mean, it would definitely be massive, but again, it all goes back to how he's marketed because I mean, you look at here in Denver, there's more billboards of Gary Harris jr. In Denver than there are of Nathan McKinnon. Hmm. There is a day at a Dick's Sporting Goods where behind the counter, there is a Jokic jersey, an Arnauto jersey, a Miller jersey, and a McKinnon jersey. And I asked the clerk, just playing dumb, who's the McKinnon guy? Okay. <laughs> and he's just like, I think he plays hockey. I don't really know. Wow. When was this? Uh, when I first started covering the apps. Wow. So it's one of those wow. things where, look, the, 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 the circumstances could certainly change. But in order for that to happen, I mean, like, yes, this team has to win, but also like it's the hard part because like what makes hockey so different when it comes to marketing is whenever you do see ads, like let's say Geico, Geico is a DC based company. That's why there's always been a capital in that spot. Dunkin Hmm. Donuts is a New England based company. It's why you're going to see a Bruin nine times out of 10 in that spot. So unless there's like a Denver based company, that all of a sudden wants to start doing these things, who's to say? I mean, the first that comes to mind, even though they're now based in California, would be Chipotle. But again, like to be serious, it's just, it's hard to say where the endorsement dollars would come from in terms of the US. But the thing is this, like if he wins, yes, it's going to possibly drive up the price, but at the same time, A, you know what you're getting. But B, like maybe those endorsements offset the cost. Again, the hard part about having a discussion like this and weighing the economic impact is, it's all based on hypotheticals. Like we could sit here now and say hypothetical A is going to play out, but hypothetical Z could say something different. Cause if we're having this discussion a year ago, we're not sitting there saying, Hey, how does a global pandemic affect things going forward? Exactly. Cause no one is thinking about it in that context. hundred yeah, percent. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it, it, it's, it's an interesting thing with him because, you know, to us avalanche fans, he he's, you know, we, we get upset when he's not, put above Connor McDavid. Uh, but if you're just going off of something like Jersey sales, I don't think he's in the top 20 in Jersey sales for the NHL. Shockingly enough. Well, and see, and part of that is so interesting about what, how this playoffs is going to be viewed because like, let's start with 17, 18. He finished second to Taylor Hall and hard voting. The really ignorant crude term I'm going to use is it feels like you have to be someone who either watches hockey or is a hockey hipster in the sense of, you knew Nathan McKinnon was cool before the rest of the world found out (laughs) to really understand what is it this man does. Right. 2018-19, they make the playoffs, they get in. But the issue was, is Nikita Kucherov Kucherov was mowing down the league. So there wasn't really an MVP discussion. It was who's playing for second. Whereas if this year, not only was there an MVP discussion, 
But it was an MVP discussion where, yes, even though Leon Dreisaitl won, McKinnon was doing on a team all while good. They were injured. He was consistent. And then when you look at the playoffs, he was arguably the most dominant player in the postseason. Oh, sure. And, like, the thing that I think sometimes we have to remember about the Avalanche is this. They are the only American team in their time zone. To get from Denver to any other NHL market is at least a two-and-a-half-hour flight. Mm. By all comparisons, it is a little bit of a hockey desert in the sense of, while, yes, Colorado as a state has the NHL, the AHL, three three college programs, and guys who are playing all throughout different levels of junior, college, the AHL, and the NHL, you look around, the closest NHL team – driving distance would be the St. Louis blues, maybe um, the coyotes, Arizona, the yeah. Knights. It's, it's, it's hard to say. Cause if you look at just flight times, those three in the wild would probably be the closest flight. Maybe even the flames or the Oilers. Again, it's, it's hard to say, but the point is this, like there is a difference where if he was in an area that's a little bit more satur- saturated by comparison, like if Nathan McKinnon is a Philadelphia flyer, it's not even the fact he's on the East coast, although that helps. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that like, he's going to be in proximity. You could also make the argument that, well, the flyers are a Comcast owned property and we're not going to go near that. But the point is he <laughs> would be on NBC a lot. If, if Nathan That's McKinnon that is were true. playing for the Los Angeles Kings, and the Kings were good and they are on NBC and they're in a major market and people in Arizona and Vegas and Anaheim and San Jose and Vancouver and soon to be Seattle were getting exposed. Let's take out Vancouver. Cause I mean, people in Canada are always going to pay attention. Like it is more of a thing. Whereas if him playing in Denver, that's just the hard part. Hmm. And like, when you look at the athletes here, like it took Von Miller winning a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, for him to get Old Spice ads. <laughs> Nolan Arenado is the best third baseman in baseball for a lot of people. You never really hear much about him on a right. national scale. Nikola Jokic, there's this argument in Denver where people are helping. He is the best center in the NBA, but there's a lot of people saying, no, it's Joel Embiid. And people here feel like the Nuggets are kind of an, not necessarily an afterthought, but they don't get talked about the same way as other teams in the league do. And some of that is because of geography. Yeah. And when you look at the abs and you look at Nathan McKinnon and you're looking at how do you get him more visible, what this postseason did helps, but also it's going to be how much are they on national TV? They were going to be on national TV 12 times during the regular season before the pandemic. How much does that help? How much does winning help? How much does the point totals help? The highlight reel stuff like it's all right there. It's just a matter of it all coming together at the same time. Yeah, it's so true. And when they, when they are on national television, when they are on NBC, and, you know, the, the game is minutes from puck drop and, you know, the announcers are talking about the teams. It's almost like they're introducing Nathan McKinnon for the first time. Like every time I see them on national television, it, it's, it's like clockwork. It, it seems like people are, are just being tuned into who Nathan McKinnon is. And it's up to these analysts to, to let them know about his speed, about his scoring ability. And, and it's just like, okay, we've heard this so many times. I love hearing about it every time, but it's like, and I have to tell myself, like, there's, yeah, there's people out there that probably know the name, but haven't really watched him play, truly watched him play. Well, but sometimes I mean, it all goes back to, again, like what people 
are exposed to. So I hope this isn't like too strange of an anecdote, but there is a time I was in college and USC was competing for national championships. Buddy of mine went to try to get a USC hat because he was a USC fan. And he goes into a lids and all they have is a cow hat. And the guy behind the desk says, oh, well, the reason why is because Cal's been a more historically successful college football program. And you're like, when? When? When has Cal <laughs> ever been more successful? Yeah, right? <laughs> USC. Like, I've, like, like, I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch and Javid Best are good and all. But, you're right. Like, yo, they're not going around winning championships. And, and, and in constant contention for that, like those USC teams were. Not but the all. point is, is it all goes back to like what people are exposed to. And with McKinnon, it's one of those things where like, you know, you're going to hear more about Austin Matthews by virtue of the fact that like, he's the next great American hockey star if he isn't already. You're going to hear about Connor McDavid because the minute he stepped onto the ice is the number one pick, he lived up to it. And plus like he plays in a hockey mad market. And that's kind of the thing is, when you look at Denver, it's still a non-traditional market, even though it checks a lot of boxes that makes people think it should be a traditional market. But it also has led people to wonder, like, how much did those down years really impact the team? Like, yes, the Oilers have had some down years, but even when they've been down, like the three number one picks in a row, yeah. like people still talk about them because they're the Oilers. Yeah. People still talk about the Leafs because they're the Leafs. With the Avs, it's like, it seems like a lot of things have to go well. Mm. So again, it's all about patience, which is, how this conversation started. Exactly. And now you've thrown uh, Alex Lafreniere in the mix in the market like New York, and he's another one that will, will get a lot of notoriety, obviously. Um, talking about next season and what that might look like, what, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think we're going to get a full season in? Do you think we'll get a truncated season? Do you think fans will be allowed into the arenas at any point during whatever type of season we have? What is your take on on where this next season is going to go? It seems like when you look around at what you're hearing and what you're observing with other leagues, in terms of the games, it seems like this is definitely going to be a more compact season from what you keep hearing. In terms of fans in the arenas, who's to say if the NBA, excuse me, if the NHL does what other leagues are doing? Like you look at, let's say, college football for every Clemson Georgia Texas A&M that has fans Mm. there is a Michigan that just isn't yeah there are places that just are like no way so is it one of those things where maybe what makes college football different is because well you have the NCAA it's the conferences that are really kind of their own fiefdoms and they're just all under the banner of the NCAA for for purposes or is it one of those things where the NHL just says, we don't care what your state rules are. This is how it's going to be. Because like, if you live in Florida, you have a state that says, hey, you can go to things. <laughs> and if you're a Lightning fan, after what that team just did and how good they are, why not? Right. But right. like, if you're in Denver, where restaurant capacity just went from 50 to 25%, it's a different discussion. Hmm. So it just, it all depends. Yeah, I it's it's going to be I mean I I think we don't we're not we're starting the season with no fans. I I would I would imagine that and then, you know, they'll see how maybe systematically introduce them. I don't know, but they could go down the road of like you said, like there are teams and leagues doing it. Do we do we jump on that? But I, it seems like the, the NHL has been 
going about this the right way and maybe the most cautious of all the sports. Um, so I, it, I don't know. I, I can't, I'm trying to just clearly we would all like a full season. Uh, but if, what does a full season mean? Does a full season mean going into August again? Or are we going to have, uh, you know, week after week of like four games, four game weeks? What is this thing going to look like? Well, and, and I think that's just a hard part because like people have looked at the 21-22 season and it's trying to figure out how do you get from right now, which is point A to then, which is point Z. So what's B? C, D, E, F, you get the point. Mm-hmm. And like what makes this season a little bit more complicated are there are a number of things like in the sense of like, one, this is still an unknown world. And like last year, not saying it was easier, but like the idea of a bubble concept is something that worked out well for the NHL, for the NBA, um, for the NWSL, for Major League Soccer. I mean, it, it worked for a bunch of different leagues. But now it's like, how do you make this work? Because again, like you hear about the psychological impact being in a bubble had on players and their families. And it's like, who really wants to go through that? Right. So what do you do? Now, like teams have, of course, the, the, the privilege in the sense of they can fly their own planes. So they're limiting contact with who they're around. Mm-hmm. But again, it also just comes back to the idea of like, is the NHL really in a position to where they can do this without fans because when you look at their television contract like excuse me it's not like the nfl it's not the nba these are leagues that like they have hefty television contracts for a variety of different reasons compared to the nhl where it is it is different i mean like we look at the patrick mahomes contract like one year patrick mahomes could like fund (laughs) like a basement floor nhl team (laughs) if we're really honest um (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like it really and truly could. So like, that's the difference. Whereas if, again, just when you think about what next year is going to look like, you have to weigh that in consideration. How's that going to impact the next TV deal? You've got the Seattle expansion draft where it's like, yes, it's one team, but everybody but Vegas is affected by the decisions, at least directly of what's going to happen with this one team. Right. So in terms of figuring it out, like that's the hard part is like, does, does the league decide this is the uniform rules no matter what state you live in? Or do they sit there and say, okay, is it up to each team in each state to sort of figure it out? I mean, who knows? Right. And that seems like a good place to stop for today. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the guy's just a, a wealth of knowledge. And you can hear the, the passion in his voice, not just about the avalanche, just about hockey in general. Uh, he just loves talking hockey, which is perfect for this show is it not so uh tomorrow will be the final part and for tomorrow we get into a good amount of of kraken talk and what he he is expecting of the seattle kraken that's not to say we are not talking about the avalanche i i force him to put the kraken gm hat on and make his selection uh for the from the colorado avalanche who would he take uh, if he was the GM of the Seattle Kraken, who would he take from the Colorado Avalanche roster? So we get into that discussion tomorrow, and it's a great discussion. So, uh, yeah, that will be released tomorrow. Definitely tune into that. And for today, that's going to be it for today. Thank you guys 
for tuning in. If this is the first time you're tuning in, welcome. Then check out yesterday's episode so you can be caught up in our discussion. And uh, if you're a daily listener, thank you again for tuning in. It's appreciated each and every day. So that will be it for today. We will see you guys tomorrow with the third and final installment of my discussion with Ryan Clark from The Athletic. Until then, be safe. See you guys tomorrow. Here's Jovi. Go, Abs, go!